Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I've got Rachel Bider here with me. <laughs> and Rachel wanted to talk about the uh, Massage MBA, her new book. You can find it on Amazon. I think she's also got it on Kindle. But uh, Rachel, go ahead and uh, tell me what's up. What's going on? Hey, Robert. Thanks. It's so great to see you. Um, and I will mention that I interviewed Robert for this book, and he has given some amazing feedback about uh, <laughs> how to create a niche, why he chose Thai massage, and what he does differently with social media that most massage therapists aren't doing. So big thank you. Lots of gratitude to Robert for uh, taking care of that um, and, for, and for having that interview with me. I feel like I've learned so much by watching you work and observing just how you integrate yourself and your practice with the industry and what's happening there. So that's so awesome. And um, so Massage MBA, this book, um, which I was really happy, finally came out on paperback uh, and Kindle. It's a lot about my personal journey and how I grew from a very introverted, solo, anxious massage therapist to a multi-location, 10 million in sales uh, business. And it talks a lot about um, my personal journey and the growth and the scaling, but also uh, I've interviewed a lot of other folks in our industry on where to get started, um, what to do if you're not sure what to do first, and uh, things that have held you back from making decisions. Um, I myself am a recovering perfectionist, so uh, I feel like I totally understand when people get held up because they're trying to do you know, too many things and everything has to be just perfect. Um, I've also definitely experienced a lot of burnout when I was starting my practice. I felt like I was failing all the time, like I was spread too thin, and uh, I had to learn how to delegate. So I definitely talk about that in this book. Um, and I talk about also just anxiety over planning for the future and what to do when you're overwhelmed. So this book is a little bit of a combination of all of those things. That was pretty awesome. What's something um, you learned while you were putting the book together? Because you get a chance to interview different you know, people in our industry. What's something like you picked up from working with people and interviewing them? I think what's been interesting for me is that there's no one size fits all, right? Like different people do different things in their practice that bring them a lot of success. So for example, when I was interviewing Rebecca Joan Brumfield, she is huge into products and she's extremely good at selling products like Synergy Stones or Cryotherapy or um, cups, like she, she sells a lot of really cool products to her clients. And for me, it took me a decade of having my business before I was brave enough to curate that product selection um, and then eventually create my own products. But I think, you know, hearing about how other people have done it has been really informative for me. So that was definitely something I learned was for, for me, I've always just been scared of products and uh, I had to take that hat off and, and realize like, you know what, I, I have to grow because it's an area where I just, I need to learn more about it. Yeah. A lot of people I talk to, they're afraid of video for some reason, which I'm a huge proponent of. And I'm like, what? Just turn on the camera. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah, you're definitely just... the master of video, of TikTok. Yeah. Like, I see you out there on social media. You put yourself out there a lot. And that's something that, yes. you know, I, I think we were talking about this right before we started recording is that, like, I still get performance jitters, performance anxiety. Like, I still, I still have that kind of introverted streak in me. And I, I try to, there's that voice in your head that we are you know, don't talk to strangers. There's that strong voice in your head that we're just, society has integrated really hard. And you have to, if you're, if you're introverted, like I am, you have to sort of get over that in order to move forward with your business, because you literally cannot have a business without talking to strangers. That's, that's one of those things that, um, there's also, I feel like that imposter syndrome thing that happens a lot where, you know, you feel like maybe your success is due to luck, 
Uh, and actually had someone tell me this once, which which was heartbreaking. Uh, it was it was a guy who was very successful, who I really looked up to, and I was telling him about uh, a side business that I was going to start. And he said, you know, you got really lucky with your massage business, but it's just luck. You know, don't think that that's going to extend to this other thing that you're creating. And hmm. I was devastated. I was just heartbroken by it because because I was like, oh my gosh, I think I know what I'm doing, but I, I definitely have those voices in the middle of the night. That's like that imposter syndrome feeling of you have no business doing business. You don't know what you're doing. And, and, you know, it's, it's easy to think that, you know, everyone else knows exactly what they're doing and everyone, you know, and you're, while you feel like you're blindly like struggling in the dark, it's easy to think every other entrepreneur never makes a mistake and knows exactly where they're going. It's just not true. I think um, certain people have strengths. The, the one thing I see when I talk to therapists is sometimes there is an emotional and psychological set um, communication skills that a therapist have where, for instance, this comes up a lot, branding. They're like, I don't need a brand. I, I do word of mouth. Like, and the thing is that therapist, even though they've been inordinately successful at that word of mouth, like practice building for themselves, what I think they don't realize is when they try to give that advice to somebody who doesn't have the same emotional and psychological set, they can't figure out how it works. And then you can't teach it. And I think yeah. the thing is, I don't know why that person would discourage you saying, you know, you did this one time, you got lucky. It's like, no, 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 no. You did something that worked. Now, if you're willing to look at it consistently, you can extrapolate and try to help people do the same or build a new business. Exactly, exactly. And what I realize is I'm a very multi-passionate entrepreneur. I have a lot of things that I do that excite me. And so, you know, I, I'm really big into that umbrella brand of, okay, so how can I bring in all my excitement, all my passions for all these different things under one umbrella, under one unified brand? And so, you know, I have Press Modern Massage, which is my massage therapy studios, but I also have wellness business consulting where I work with folks who want to start and grow their own practices. You know, and I really wanted to write. And so I, I had that first book called Press Here, which is really cool. Massage for Beginners. Again, Press, Press, it's that same brand. Uh, and then Massage MBA feels like the book that was the extension of my consulting practice. And I also created some products this year because I went to aromatherapy school and I studied perfumery. And I have all these just different things in my head and I want to do all of them. Uh, and I think it's really fun. I, I never want to feel like I'm limited by someone saying, oh, you can't do that. You have no business doing that. Oh, and yeah. I'll say I saw that guy in a bagel store about four years after he told me this isn't going to work. You're not going to do well. And I was like, yeah, I have a seven figure massage therapy business. It's not just luck. Yeah. You know, I worked my ass off and he was like, did I say that to you? And I was like, yeah, you're kind of a kind of a dick. And he was like, I'm so sorry. Like. I, you know, I never meant to be discouraging. I think I probably was just in a bad headspace myself. And I was like, man, I spent the last four years like thinking every day, not every day, but you know, in my lowest moments thinking like, what if it is just luck, you know, and, and probably shying away from the spotlight too, because of that fear of, you know, I don't belong here. And, and what if they find out that it's, that it's all luck and that it's, you know, it's not true. And, and the thing is, that's ridiculous. It's like, if you, if you just look at, you know, it's the textbook definition of imposter syndrome. And if you look at the track record of your wins, I actually have a folder on my computer that are uh, screenshots of client feedback that I've gotten for, or at first it was my massage practice and then it was for my consulting business. And it's like, whenever I'm having those low moments, I have to just integrate myself into reality and look at those wins and say, you know what? Like, actually I'm doing just fine. And in fact, let's look at what success even is. Let's like measure my own accomplishments against myself and not against someone else with 20,000 Instagram followers, you know? Yeah. I think that it's that's always really back to you. 
And the thing is, like, it, it's hard for me even. I've got <clears throat> other entrepreneurial friends like you, and they'll ask me for information and feedback. And sometimes I can be a little terse. And I think what it is is I have all these emotions about my business. But when you ask me a question, I go, problem, solution. It's very terse. It's not very, it's like cut the, the meat off of bone. It doesn't care about your feelings. It's like, this is the shortest path to get to where you want to go. And they're like, oh. <laughs> well, I think our approach might be just a slight bit different. I know, I think, I think, you know, when I'm working with consulting clients, especially, I tend to be very nurturing. Um, and I think in general, this is actually sometimes a problem in our industry is that everyone wants to nurture their friends, their family, their clients, their employees. They want to pay everyone 99% of the profit margin. And it's like, if you're going to succeed in this business in any capacity, you have to have boundaries and you have to learn, learn to nurture the business as its own entity. Like you, the business needs nurturing. And what does that mean? It, it means charging those no-show clients. It means the willingness to have uncomfortable conversations with people. There's this, this great quote, I'm misquoting, but there's a great, I'll paraphrase it from uh, Tim Ferriss, who I freaking love. And he says, the quality of your life is in direct proportion to the amount of uncomfortable conversations that you're willing to have. Uh, or maybe he says difficult conversations you're willing to have. And I was thinking a lot about this. And it's true in business and in, in life. If you're not able to put yourself out there, be vulnerable and have those uncomfortable conversations, there's no growth. Like I had a massage therapist in a city in, in New York who really wants to hire his first employee. He's been in business 30 years. He's getting older. He is stepping away from as much of the volume of seeing clients as he was. But his biggest fear is that his landlord, who he's had a very long, long relationship with, um, his landlord isn't sure about him having employees. And he's and so he's like nervous about starting that practice and hiring that employee uh, because he's worried about having the conversation with his landlord. And I'm like, I, I mapped out for him the finances of what would happen if he brought on just one person working like three shifts a week. And I'm like, is this conversation with your landlord worth the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that you'll probably be missing out on by not having this person? He was like, Ugh. you know, we all have to do things that are uncomfortable. Like I just had to apply for the second round of PPP draw. And uh, yeah. at, there was a point last night where two nights ago, where I was pushing through it an hour and a half deep. And it's like, is this potentially worth however many thousands of dollars that I would get? Absolutely. Like sometimes we just have to do the uncomfortable things to move the practice forward. You do it, you figure it out, or you hire somebody to do it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Delegate. Yeah. And if, if you don't like it or you know you're not going to get to it as fast as someone else, delegate. I see this happen all the time too where uh, people don't realize the volume that you can delegate to a remote receptionist. Um, to, you can hire VAs off of Upwork. That's U-P-W-O-R-K. I'm a huge fan of Upwork.com um, for anything from front desk reception services to uh, confirming those appointments for you. Although I really think that those things should be largely automated at this point. Uh, if you don't have online booking, now's the time to get it, you know, because that's open 24 hours a day. Um, and, you know, there's you can hire anyone from social media to marketing to creating blog content, although I think, again, you should probably at least oversee what what's going on with that. But, you know, I think it's important to build out your team and delegate those things if you're not doing them, especially. Um, I know within my own company, my goal is every single year to take 70 percent off of our plate and that should go down the chain. So 
uh, my number two and my number three, like all the way down the chain, every single person should be doing 70% less of what they were doing the year before and onto totally new spaces so that we're all keeping growing upwards, upwardly mobile in that way. <laughs> I've spent a year juggling software and cameras. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, but you also, you're better for it because now you know. I mean, and for you, video is such a huge part of your business. Oh, yeah, I can even, you, yeah. It behooves you to be an expert in that particular sector. Well, I begrudgingly <laughs> be, what are some become things an expert. That you delegate? Um, what do I delegate mainly? Um, I've delegated stuff in relation to like Facebook ads, uh, some post production of video, so like clipping a video and putting like little graphics on it, things like that. Um, I have an accountant and a bookkeeper who help me with you know the taxes and the, the bookkeeping, um, some things that I'm not as good at. And then um, over time, I've had video people, uh, videographers, camera guys, some, some yeah, things yeah. along those lines. I, I do a lot of it myself, but COVID has been weird because it kind of bumped the physical side of the business. So I had time to focus on the digital side, which means cameras and software and the things that I've been working on kind of grew. But I, I try to outsource as much as I can. It's just... Um, it's a different skill set and it, my business is very different because I don't have a brick and mortar. Um, I haven't taken on employees. You and I have had that conversation before. Most of my business at this stage is sort of gearing towards education as opposed to just seeing clients. I still see clients, but it's not like a major focus. Yeah, that's because you're, again, you're also a multi-passionate entrepreneur. You have a lot of things that interest you that aren't just treating. You know, I think that's so cool. Um, and it, it is a different business model as well, because this year we've had time to go digital. We've had time to do those kinds of things. And, you know, I always try to think when stuff comes up, because it does, I try to think about, you know, instead of why is this happening to me? I think, okay, why is this happening for me? Like, what's great about this? Because this year there was a lot of shit that was not great. Sorry, I scared a lot. Sorry about that, Robert. There's a lot of crap no, that, doesn't that was not great about this year, obviously. But I try to think about, you know, if I'm going to have a strategy, so this is this is some Tony Robbins-ish right here because I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. He says when problems come up, everyone goes immediately to strategy. Like, what do I do? And they're all freaking out. Like, what's the strategy? Well, how do I get through this? Like, what's the plan? And he said there's three parts to this. And in reverse order, strategy is actually the last thing you should get to. Uh, the, there's three parts. So the second part is the story that you're telling yourself. Because if your belief system, if your story is this isn't possible, then your strategy, probably not that good. If your story is we're going to crush it this year, I'm going to figure this out, then your strategy, all of a sudden, you open up different parts of your mind. Different, you have different kinds of conversations. You're open to different things happening. And so your story is affecting your strategy. And then the first part of that, he talks about your state. So the state of your head, your headspace. You know, if you're in a really low, freaked out, scared, dark headspace, again, the story that you're telling yourself, probably not so good. And the strategies that you come up with, not great. Uh, but if you're in a state where you're like feeling good, feeling strong, feeling confident, even if you're figuring it out, even if you have no idea what you're doing, if you're in an open hearted, excited, motivated, passionate, whatever it is, I will figure this out story, you know, state that affects your story, that affects your strategy. So you just have different access to the different resources in your mind, if that makes sense. I think about that a lot. And also, you know, in terms of your state, your energy, um, you know, who wants to do, like, if you're, if you're like, 
on an average one to 10, right? 10 is like super pumped up and motivated. And then like six is like, yeah, pretty cool. You know, one, two, not so good. Like who wants to date a five, right? Like who wants to do business with a five? And this is something I think that you really bring to the table because you are always, your energy level for the TikToks that you're doing for your videos, like it's always up there. It's always really good energy. And I think that's one of the reasons that people love doing business with you and people are drawn to you because you have good energy. That in my capacity to block hate mail. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I think about that a lot. Um, You know, just because I think the energy component, especially in our business, I know energy is like woo woo, whatever. Um, but you know what I mean? Nah, see, even those conversations, like I, I released a meme and people got upset and I'm like, guys, you guys are being way too literal about everything. Like what was the meme? Uh, it was, uh, it was a, the Pablo Escobar meme where he's kind of sad from Narcos. And it's like, I was talking about the fact that massage therapists want to be considered essential in medical, but they talk about chakras and energy. And I was kind of teasing that and people got kind of butthurt about it. And I'm like, guys, why are y'all so like a meme upset you? <laughs> well, also, like, if you're super into woo-woo, like go that route. Like, do, sure. I mean, I'm a girl sitting here with some lavender oil and some Palo Santo and a, a, okay. a goddamn like, look at this thing. I have like a flower crown that I made earlier this exactly. year out of, um, you know, flowers and uh, skewers like barbecue skewers but it's I just but when gold. you say you know people's <laughs> energy is pumped like i don't have an aversion to that that's not to me that's not saying the same thing at all like yeah yeah you know I, i'm just as much science based as i am energetic i can have those conversations with therapists it's just i don't put a lot of time and energy in video talking about chakras it's not a i focus on pain relief you know, like, if you're if you're yeah. going with chakras, chat with the hood with on Instagram. She's yeah. freaking amazing, and all she does is bring like amazing rose quartz and and Palo Santo and smudge sticks and you know that knowledge. I think that's super cool. I love that. I love the hood witch. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there's different strokes for different folks, and nothing is more obvious in our own industry as well. Because you know, I was chatting with some some guys up in Canada to massage therapists in a microphone, which is yeah. another podcast I really love. Um, you know, they have 3,000 hours of training, yeah. you know, I mean, Canada takes massage super seriously and listening to them talk about, oh, they're preparing, you know, one therapist was preparing for the Olympics to be on, you know, massaging this Olympic team as they were going through their training. And I was just thinking like, that is so profoundly different from some of the spa folks that I know, some oh, yeah. of their people who are more into like Reiki and things like that. See, the, the, you know, the, the line I hear is, the, the one I see is professional. The therapists want prestige and they want to be professional. They want to be professional. They want to be professional. And I'm like, yo, guys, y'all's definition of professional is not mine. My definition of professional is in Thai fisherman pants, barefoot, wearing a little peep t-shirt. I make money. Like, I don't know what you guys think professional is. And it's like, they want to be like squeegeed into this little box of like, I wear khaki pants and dress such a certain way, or I wear scrubs or I'm medical or I bill insurance. And I'm like, there's a lot of different definitions of what professional is. Yeah. Especially, I mean, look at the way that everything is, the culture and the society is changing. Like it used to be, if you were going to work for a big firm that was making multiple million dollars, you had to show up in a suit and tie. And I can tell you, my husband works for a really successful tech company, and he's their lawyer. He's their in-house general counsel. Jeans and a t-shirt every single day. Maybe a flannel if it's cold. Professional. For the tech world, <laughs> that's what's professional, yeah. you know. And 
and it's just the the society is changing so profoundly. Yeah, there's no there, there's not in my ex- experience when I when I say this, I'm not talking about we're we're insiders in our industry. We know the difference between myofascial release, cranial sacral therapy, Watsu, like all this different stuff. The general public doesn't. The general public has a box and it's called massage and that's it. So we're trying to get massage therapists to understand that there's a diversity in our industry to put that diversity on video to educate the public is like a big push for me. And all I do is continue to put out video, allow the people who like it to come find me. Now, what happens with that is like more exposure. This is this is the fan mail and the hate mail, and they're just about proportional. <laughs> Great, but that, that means you're doing something right because you're getting feedback. You know, at the end of the day, if you're if you're getting feedback, if you're getting engagement, it doesn't matter if it's divisive. Um, and I think that this is something that people are afraid of is putting themselves out there in any real kind of way. And when you look at again with a trend, people don't want a big corporation; they want that, you know, homemade, they want that boutique, that, you know, small batch, that in-house. People don't like perfect. We don't trust it. We don't want some big glossy brand. What we actually want is a company that gets us, that has our, shares our concerns, that engages with us in a way that resonates. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes people make with their branding is they don't lead with that. You know, they, they will just have the same kind of generic template website, uh, from Wix or wherever, and nothing against Wix, but actually I don't love their templates. But you know they'll have that same <laughs> bit of information, and it, it'll be like, you know, I, I'll admit it too. Like I, I messed up when I first got out of school. My website, my brand was balanceyourlifeny.com. Does that have anything to do with massage? No. If the state of New York is that very specific? Nope. I mean, like. I had no idea what I was doing with branding no, you're learning. and I had to go through all these like cringy, cringy iterations of the business to get to where I am now. But I think people have a really hard time also understanding their strengths and talking about them. It's one thing to know what you're good at and it, it, it can feel a little bit scary to put it out there. And so one exercise that I take people through in my consulting practice to get them out of their head and figuring out, okay, why am I different? Why am I special? I'll ask them, if you stopped offering your services tomorrow, what would clients miss the most about working with you? And then they make a list. And, you know, for example, in a restaurant, if my restaurant, my favorite restaurant closed, maybe I would miss the food, the convenience, the location, the ambiance. There's all kinds of different, the way that they always know my order, the way they always know my name, they know how I take my coffee. Like there's all kinds of things that make a business different. And when I think about um, for branding, it's so important that whatever the answer is to that, that that's on your website, in your videos, in your Instagram, in your Facebook, in your social media, in the tone that you're using, in the language that you're using. It's so important that you have that visible to clients so that they know why is this massage business different from this other massage business. And I think what you're touching upon, especially with video, is that you know people are in very interactive, engaging people. And if you're doing something that's a little bit different, there's such a curiosity about well, what is that? And Ooh. there also might be a fear about, there might be a fear about, oh, I don't know if I want to try something new like that. And the fact yeah. that you're breaking it down over video makes it so much more so accessible. The difference I see is clients, no issues. Th- that's not the issue at all. The clients love what I do. It's the therapists who say, this is not massage. And I go, great. We don't need a license in all 50 states. And they go, oh, shit. I'm like, guys, I don't know what to tell you. Like you're holding on to an older model that is going to change and they're like but it's massage and i'm like i understand that you work as a massage therapist with a massage license in an industry 
and you learn certain things in school, but like Watsu isn't what we learn in school. Yeah. Cranial sacral therapy or or whatever. Yeah. No, no, there's just a diversity. And I never, I never look at you and go, your business should be like mine. No, like your business is you, you're doing your thing. Like there's, there's room for all of us. But when I get, when I get pushback where it's like, but this isn't, I'm like, it isn't what it isn't effective for pain relief. People don't pay me money for it. I'm not doing better than the average massage therapist doing this. The reason I make so much video. I'm really surprised you're getting so much hate. I would guess, I would guess it's probably insecurity manifesting as jealousy in that regard. Um, but you know what? Like, keep shining. Maybe it doesn't matter what other well, people are. Well, like. remember tone. You said something about tone. I, I'm trying to figure this out. Even my mother. Okay, my mother's out there. I love you, mom. Um, my mom is like, baby, you just, you just verbally abrasive. She's told me this since I was a kid, and I'm still talking that same way. And I'm getting that feedback from larger numbers of people. And I'm like, I think you guys are just averse to truth. <laughs> but so funny. I look at it in video. I'm able to look at this later and go, what did they respond to? And why did they? And it's like, oh, okay. So don't say what you do is better. Say, well, in my clinical experience, this is more effective for chronic pain and mobility. And they go, oh, okay. Well, I can accept that. (laughs) How do people receive your language, your video, your audio, all of it? Because it's all a big test. The reason I make video is... I have to show consumers what I'm doing specifically so that they understand the service that I'm offering. Exactly. Exactly. You know your audience. And this is another thing that I think we have to think about um, is that whatever your client base needed this time last year, it's different now. It's changed. COVID has changed things. And so things that we thought we needed last year are going to be totally different this year. You know, maybe it's that communication of how we're taking safety, or maybe it's that communication of the things that you're doing different to to keep, you know, the business up and running. But the, the kinds of things that people needed a year ago are different than what they needed now. And I think it's always important to stay on top of that, especially in your communication, your website, things like that, um, because it, it can be you can very easily slip into being tone deaf. Yeah. If it's like, are you exhausted from showing up at your office and dealing with the daily subway ride and the commute to your workplace. And it's like, maybe that worked last year, but that language in New York city isn't going to work this year because nobody's commuting anywhere. We're all staying at home. So, you know, like just the things that the clients need this year also, um, you know, everybody has these crappy ergonomic desk setups, right. And everyone's getting injured from working in these terrible home offices that they haven't really set up properly. So I'm going to guess there's going to be a trend towards home office ergonomics and home office setups. Uh, and I think that it's really important to stay on top of creating content that's around the things that people search for as well. And that's part of search engine optimization is is having your videos, having your website come up higher in the search result. I think that a lot of therapists don't know what this is or are afraid of it or are not doing it. Um, and so I do want to touch on that for a second. So search engine optimization, sometimes people call it SEO. It's that thing where if someone is looking for what you offer online, Are you coming up at the top of the first page or are you like three pages deep? And this is super important because when was the last time someone went to the second page of Google to look for something? They didn't. very often. So it's so, so important and it it doesn't have to cost any money. It can be completely free. Uh, And there's lots of different ways that you can get your website to the top of those results. Things like having those directory listings whether that's Yelp or Google, although I don't recommend paying for Yelp, but, uh, you know, Yelp or Google or other business directories that have that link, 
and having other links from relevant sources coming into your business. So whether that's a newspaper that did an article about you or whether that's a blog that someone did on you, uh, just having those links coming to your website. Partner businesses are a really good thing, but building up the incoming links from relevant sources is super important. It's also good to have keywords on your homepage. So when someone is searching for exactly what you're looking for, that should be somewhere on the homepage. Like I, I see some really pretty homepages that don't have any uh, text on them. It might just be like an image of text. Google can't read that. You, yeah, you spend an hour in Canva and it looks stunning and maybe that's great for Instagram, but when Google <clears throat> crawls your homepage, it doesn't see any words. That's all of good my, my website and all this stuff takes work. Like I'm still tweaking it as I go. Yeah, I yeah. try to think of it like the, the, the website is almost like my front desk. So they have to get a sense of me and my personality, what I offer, why do they want to work with me? What's the problem that I solve? And I try, I'm not, it's not perfect by any means. Please go to my website, tweak it, like critique it for me. But it's trying to have a conversation in a digital realm to yeah. be able to walk that person along towards, is this the client that, that needs to work with me? Um, and for you, do you have, have like updated information on your website, like like new videos or new blog posts or things like that? Some, yeah. We we I tweak some things. Um, like one of the things I see with therapists is they're a bit confused. I just take a sort of carpet bomb approach to video. Like I don't even know sometimes. Like I don't do I have a strategy, quote unquote. It's like okay, make more video, connect with more entrepreneurs, connect with other people in your industry, continue the podcast, continue making video, educational video. So it's like with me, my website started just to get clients. Then I had to get students and it was like, okay, can I transition? And like, yeah, just, just make video. Like the clients understand that you're teaching, so you must know what you're doing. But then the students are going to trust you more. So I didn't like build a new website for like a different focus. Does it make sense? So yeah, absolutely. for me, I think that's really smart. It's a little bit of, of two tier. What I try to do is streamline it. The problem is the business has grown. Like you talked about Rebecca Brumfield and product. So it's like, okay, is he selling a session? Is he got this time massage jam? Like we don't even understand what he's doing. He's got some subscription service and workbooks and DVDs. And I, we, it's confusing. Meaning now there's so many tabs, it's like, what, what is somebody looking for? I try to sit back when I'm calm and look at it and go, okay, I'm a new person who just wandered into this guy's website. Do I want to book a session? Okay, that needs to be clear. Do I, do I want to buy retail or take a class? Okay, that needs to be clear. I just go back periodically and try to add things. So even uh, this podcast, for instance, one of the things I'm working on slowly is I take a section of the script from this, turn it into a blog post, and then copy the video and put it on the website. So yeah, it's already on YouTube or it's already on Facebook, but there's a benefit to having that text on the blog itself and it shows that the blog is being regularly updated. Yeah, exactly. And and that's also important for search engine optimization. You can, the, the keywords that go into the blogs, the type of things that people are searching for. And I think what you're talking about for the website is having a very clear call to action so that people who are coming to the site know exactly where they're going, where the path is, you know, choose your own adventure. And I think that's right. As long as you have a super clear call to action in the direction that you want people to go, it's okay to use one website for both of those things, you know, for that brand. That makes sense. Um, and because the teaching is so integrated and your clients are probably excited about those videos too, because they get a taste of what to expect from a session from you. I think it probably works out in your benefit. Um, you know, and I was looking at 
the idea of having constantly updated information has more to do with if Google looks at your site and crawls your site and sees that it's always static, it's always exactly the same, it will come up lower in search because it's not seen as newsworthy and relevant, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the New York Times is probably updated every 25 seconds with a new article. So it's very newsworthy. And so, you know, what they're saying must be very relevant. And that's why I'm a big fan of having that RSS feed of the blog to the homepage, the Instagram, the whatever it is, having that, you know, Twitter feed, whatever medium you're using, having that constantly updated on the homepage so that when there is that crawl, it's like, oh, okay, there's something new here. Um, that's just that part of SEO. But I totally, I think it's really interesting that you put that umbrella brand on one website and you're managing it from one, one dashboard, one place. I'm jealous in that way because I haven't done that in my own business. Like I have Press Modern Massage as my, my massage website. Um, and it did get trickier as I had more locations prior to COVID we had four locations. So yeah. it was like, okay, you can't even click book. Now you have to like click, choose your location and then yeah. book because, you know, we're not trying to have someone in Williamsburg go to Greenpoint. Um, and now post COVID we're back down to two locations. So hopefully that will change soon. And, um, and I have a totally separate site and brand called wellness business consulting for my consulting clients. And I think the reason that I did that specifically, well, one, I just love branding and I love making websites and I love building. I think I like, you know, how people play fantasy football. I play fantasy start a business. Like, I think it's the most fun thing. I was looking at a, a site that sells macrame earlier because I'm a big macrame girl. And uh, I was like, should I start drop shipping macrame DIY supplies? Cause that would be a really fun Instagram to run. Um, I just love, I love building brands, building businesses. Uh, and so I think part of the reason I started it was that, you know, that, that separate website was easier for me to streamline the, the process and the ask. Um, so I do mention it in my bio on my on my website, but certainly having one place where all of these things live is, is easier for sure, especially the products. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's for me, it's like pruning a tree. It's going to continue to grow and there's like adding levels of complexity. It's always like, what's a simple solution that allows us to continue growing and then, okay, now we need two websites. All right, cool. But yeah, and incremental. I bet there's crossover too. Like, the, like with the products, I bet you have students buying products, but I bet you also have clients buying products. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting as the business grows. One of the things that I'm most interested in is the podcast itself, and I continue to work on this and try to improve it. Um, there was a local brewery here in town, and I did a like a, a beer review on my Instagram of this particular brew here locally, and then. The brewery, I tagged them, and then the brewery was like, oh, hey, thanks so much for the review. And I was like, hey, if you got somebody, one of your brewmasters wants to be on the podcast, let me know. And they're like, sure, go ahead and email so-and-so. And people are going, wait, I understand. Robert has a wellness-based business. Why has he got a, a beer guy on his podcast? And it's like, my business is cross-promoting with their business. And this is a local brewery. Local beer fans go, well, this guy's cool. He drinks beer. And what is it? Man, I got arm pain. What is this? <laughs> like yeah. connection with other businesses, not just in the massage industry. I think for some people that's that's a little confusing, but I think in a media landscape where you're dealing with digital distribution, I've got a small bar full of like tequilas, especially in Yehos, which I've been sampling, like sipping tequilas. I'm going to start doing reviews. Put them on YouTube, put them on my social cool. media, and you're tagging those those spirit companies because you want to interview somebody to get them on the podcast. It's like it doesn't have anything to do with wellness per se. It doesn't have anything yeah. to do with my business per se. But what it does is it creates contacts with other businesses and other industries. 
I don't really always know exactly where it's going to go. It just seems like a fun side project. I mean, macrame. Well, I a good side hustle. Yeah, macrame yeah. is not, DIY macrame is not the business you started. <laughs> right, right. Not at all. And, you know, it's interesting because what you're talking about, that DIY, that side hustle, I freaking love that, first of all. Uh, I'll join you on a tequila call anytime because I'm a <laughs> big tequila fan. And, you know, um, I just think a lot about uh, Casas Dragones, by the way. That's all I'm saying. Um, I think, we'll, we'll get you know, the same bottle and we'll do it. We'll get the same bottle and we'll do it. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, when I think about innovation, innovation really happens at the forefront of two very different concepts coming together. And the coolest brands are built off of two totally unrelated things every single time. Like, like for example, um, there is this gas station. I'm, right now I'm in Charlottesville, Virginia. I'm usually in New York City and Brooklyn, but here I am in Virginia. Uh, COVID, things happen. I'll be back in New York soon. But um, in the meantime, there's a gas station here uh, and they sell fried chicken. And now I'm a vegetarian. I haven't had chicken in a long time. But my husband, real into chicken. And you get a free chicken bone with me, you know, like a thigh or whatever it is. I don't know, a wing. You get a free piece of chicken every time you pump gas. Do those have anything to do with each other? No. <laughs> but he will go out of his way to get to that gas station to eat that particular chicken, which is free, just to go there. And it's one of those things that I think about, like, where can you innovate where you have to two totally unrelated things, two totally different things that just make perfect sense? Yeah. You know, I think I think that's really where cool stuff comes from is yeah. when you when you take those things. And there is such opportunity for different partnerships for different yeah. brands to integrate in that way. Like, I, I think, think that's really cool. I think some of like when I would think about it, I'm like, okay, I like a good chocolate, a good like liquor, you know, or tequilas. And it was like the good life, the local cheese shop, artisanal local, you know, farm, farm raised, grass finished. Like when I think about those little niche things of like being a foodie, but there's no, like, for instance, I think this is interesting in our culture. We have a word for somebody who's into food. You're a foodie. We don't have a comparable word for somebody who's in a massage and body work. Right. We should make one. We should make a word. Cause it's like, he's a geek about, Oh, he does this crazy massage thing. We've never seen. You know, it's like yeah. when you when you pull those things together, people who are interested in the good life, like whatever. That is. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that makes perfect sense, actually. And yeah. I feel that same way. I think, you know, in the neighborhood that I'm in in Brooklyn, um, we we resonate with folks who are really into those like macrame plant hangers and some hippie shit. Right. Like some Palo <laughs> Santo burning in the background. So for me, like maybe buying this macrame business and who knows if I'll do it. I, I haven't decided yet, but maybe purchasing that it's not it's not so dissimilar in a way you know you got to decorate your office with something i think and the personality excited about that i think the so. personality it's for some reason massage education i think in their quest to like standardize get the students ready for the emblex and remain professional it's like they're i think it's like they're pulling away some personality i hate to say that but that's how it feels sometimes what I'm trying to get the therapist to do is make video and have personality because I think that's why people continue to work with us. It's not just because the service is good or pain relief or, or it's most relaxing. It's also because they enjoy working with you. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I was just thinking about uh, a spa that I went to in Tulum in Mexico and they were selling hammocks. 
And I was like, obviously, these people like to relax. Like, yeah, your <laughs> clients are there to relax. That's exactly right. Hammock is the next, you know, next best thing. Yeah. In a way, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Um, so what's next for you? What, what other cool things are you working on? Uh, primarily, my time is spent massaging a keyboard. Um, we're doing uh, primarily like interactive live streams. I don't know if you've caught this or not, but we're using uh, four camera angles and wireless microphone. I've got a new computer we're about to build and three new cameras. We have pushed like, okay, let's put it this way. COVID wiped out the physical side of the business and I went, focus on the digital. You've already got it set up. I'm looking at it now and I'm like, I'm still being told people can't learn online. And I'm like, guys, it doesn't make sense for me to teach in-person classes anymore. I keep looking at the students and I'm going, I can stream to you every day for two hours, every day, every day, every day. And they're like, what? But we only learn hands-on. And I'm like, okay, so get to get to your colleagues together in a room and study in your living room, put me on the big screen TV. And they're like, what? but they don't have to pay. And I'm like, this is like pay-per-view. I don't care. Get together. CE party, CE party, CE party. And they're like, what? They're like, what? And I'm like, listen, I don't have, listen, we're doing this. (laughs) So that's what I'm doing. And I continue to put the curriculum together. It's gotten to the point where the additional uh, layer. So it's interesting. Like I thought I couldn't teach online. Now I spend all my time teaching online and What's happening is if I don't have the digital layer, I feel like it's missing something. So, for instance, people were uh, falling a little bit behind because of anatomy. And then I figured out how to be able to grab uh, anatomy um, GIFs. I think it's a GIF, GIF, and we can argue about that. Uh, I get the anatomy on the screen so that as I'm talking, I can just press a button and pop up trapezius so they can see what the anatomy is. So the thing is, you used to have like an in-person class and then you had to have like a slideshow. But the technology has gotten much better. But now it's like the digital part is like almost changing the curriculum. It's almost improving it in a way because it's making me uh, filter it in a slightly different way where I'm going, guys, this is a much more effective way of me delivering information. This is superior yeah Yeah, like the the students i understand massage therapists are tactile and they want hands on the difference is if i've got 20 people in the class i can't work on everybody right right. then it's like okay if i can't work on everybody they're usually working with the person who's also studying i'm like why don't we just have satellites well and not to mention frankly Um, I can't necessarily fly down there and take your class, but now I can take it online anytime. And yep. this really, you can scale in such a profound way. Um, yeah, it's, it's, working, it's very different. Yeah, I was working with a physical therapist the other day. Um, she does pelvic floor rehab and she teaches physical therapists how to do pelvic floor rehab. And um, she has this online, online, you know, six week, maybe six or eight weeks intensive course and she asked me to come by and teach the business class. And it was so cool because I was on the Zoom call with 130 people all over the world taking this class. And I was just like, wow, I'm teaching this business course to 130 people that I don't know in a state that's far away from here, a country that's far away yeah. from here. Technology is so freaking awesome. And I know that's like kind of a, a cheesy thing to say, but like the things, this is a really ripe time to be yeah. developing a digital product. I think it's really smart that you're doing that. Oh, no, it, it, it's, it's, I don't even know how to say it. It's allowing a sort of scale 
and an interactivity that I have not seen prior. People kept saying, but I don't understand. Like, I can't learn online. And I'm like, guys, this is not in any way what you were taught in massage school for how to receive information. Like, if one person pays for the class and there's six therapists there, I don't care. Get some wine, get a charcuterie board, hang out and have a party. Everybody's going to study. Everybody's going to learn. Everybody's going to trade. Right now during COVID, I don't want to travel or as little as possible. Like I would rather teach you in a safe way to let you partner with just one other person, even if that person is your loved one in your home. And that way you're able to keep working with me. And this is the thing. It doesn't replace in-person classes. What it does is it supplements And if I have ongoing supplementation with you for a year until you make it to an in-person class, you're already ready. You're already prepped. The questions are better. I can go into more detail. The digital side, what I think now is this has become so strong that if you remove this, I'm like, my tools are taken away. Like I want on the podcast, he's showing himself more more layers, more layers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the tools that are available are just insane. Um, I think I think the future of our industry is changing, but I have a lot of hope for it. I know a lot of people were really down about, um, you know, what's going to happen in the future? Like, what's going to happen this year? A lot of folks weren't able to go to school. The schools weren't graduating the kind of numbers that they had been before. And a lot of people have left the industry because they've left their city or they've left the profession. And I think for those of us who are still here, who are excited about it, who have hope, the future of this industry is really bright because I'll tell you, this has been one hell of a year for people and everybody's stressed and clients need our work more than ever. And there's never been a better time in history to have free ways that we can market our services online, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, you know, just this is such a bright time for us. There's going to be real estate becoming available. Like for me, I think about, I had to close two, two of my locations, but yeah. there's going to be really cool real estate from people who've abandoned their offices. Yeah. That's going to be on the market at a much better rate than I probably would have gotten before in much cooler neighborhoods than I would have been the, able to afford. Not just the massage about, industry, but even the overall economy. I, I, my guess is there's going to be a huge bounce back once COVID is mostly vanquished and out of the way. Totally, like totally. It, it hit a, you know, a slump for obvious reasons, but I think the overall economy is going to spike and people don't have any shortage of pain or a need of relaxation. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think also there's, there's a lot of people who've retired and there's going to be businesses that are for sale. And I think when people think about the idea of buying a practice, they get all freaked out. Like, I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend. And, and first of all, most massage businesses are not hundreds of thousands of dollars businesses. But if you did want to pick up a practice or two, there are businesses that have closed that still have assets, you know, that could, there's lots of ways to unconventionally acquire a business. For example, um, you know, maybe if a business down the street went under that did massage, um, they can send out an email to all of their clients like, hey, unfortunately, we closed our practice this year, but here's a practice we know and love and support and we'd encourage you to go there and they put a link. And every single time a client clicks that link and you book a session, that uh, first practice that's for sale gives you an affiliate marketing so that um, you know, you're paying them a referral fee for every appointment they send you. And it doesn't have to just be massage businesses. This could be a pizza place that went under. You know, there's a lot of money in the list. If people have a great list, it's not that you have to buy the list or that you're going to be marketing to the list, but for businesses that are closing, um, there is seller financing. 
There are referrals that can happen. There's lots of cool ways that you can pick up a practice. And, and really for business owners, there's this pride of ownership. There's this ego damage that happens when you're forced to close a business. And so it's much better for them to say, oh, I sold my practice. Even if that's just, you know what, I sold that last email and I'm getting those residual effects from people who are clicking that link and booking. I'm getting those residual income. Like there's something there that helps smooth that thing over. So I just think there's a lot of opportunities if we're looking for them. And I think it's a great time to market our business, reach out to those business owners who haven't been able to make it through and say, you know what, I have an opportunity for you. I'd love to jump on your email list and get some affiliate marketing, or I'd love to jump on your Instagram and, and, you know, just to get those eyeballs on your page, to do that cross business promo, um, you know, even if it's one way. I don't know. I just, I feel like there's a lot of hope for our industry coming up this year and I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. There's more opportunity than ever. A lot of what I've seen, even some of the people who they don't like, I don't know, they get irritated at what I'm doing. I think sometimes in the micro, they see me doing something and they're like, that doesn't make any sense. But I think they don't understand the trajectory of like where my long-term goal is so different that they don't understand like my individual movements are different because my long-term goals are different than the average, I guess, massage therapist. Like I'm no longer just trying to get clients. I'm trying to build a new brand. I'm trying to, you know, eat online education. I'm trying to distribute information globally. And they're like, what? And I go, I know you've never seen it, but watch. Yeah. I, and, and that's exactly how those things happen. You manifest them, you do the work towards them and, and you put it out there. I'm the same way, you know, I mean, like certainly writing a book, I have a new baby, right? He's 10 months old today. And certainly writing a book this year probably isn't on most new moms list of shit to do in the first year of your kid's life. But for me, when we were closed during COVID, I was like, you know what? There's so much out of my control. I need to focus on something. Something good has to come of this. I need to focus on something that I can control, that I can focus on. So every time he lays down for a nap, I can write, I can journal, I can focus on the business. I can just think about the things that I can control um, because, you know, I could have come out of this year super depressed and lonely and isolated, you know, and not having a book, or I could come out of this year a little bit depressed and a little bit lonely and a little bit isolated. Not going to lie. I'm still those things, but with a book, which, you know, like put some, put some icing on that cake. Yeah. And I think I have to also sometimes take a look at my own stuff and, and see where I'm, I'm, there's like a missed opportunity, you know, and I think about, there's this great concept I was reading about, which is also in the book. Uh, it's this Martin Seligman, the therapist, who calls it the three P's of learned helplessness, which is just controversial. Learned helplessness is a very like, you know, uh, what's the word that your mom used to describe you? <laughs> oh, she, she was like, you're just verbally abrasive. Abrasive. Yes. It's a learned helplessness sounds very abrasive, but the concept is your mind will try to convince you whatever your problem is, it is permanent is pervasive or it is personal the three p's permanent pervasive personal so whatever your problem is your brain will say your problem is permanent you feel bad you're always going to feel bad this thing is over forever you know or or pervasive it's going to take over every single area of your whole life forever you know and personal you're alone in this no one understands you no one else in the entire world has ever been through this exact thing and what's interesting about these kinds of thoughts is that they're totally unoriginal Minds have been having them for thousands of years. They're not even your own thoughts. It's just what brains do when they're stressed or scared. 
because your brain isn't actually wired for happiness. It's wired for survival. It's wired to look at where's the next problem, where's the next issue, where's the next thing, so that you're, you're safe from predators at the end of the day. Um, and so when you learn, like for me, when I learned that and I was looking at my brain doing that thing of like permanent, pervasive, personal, you know, and I've done this lots of times over the years. Like I had a bad breakup. Oh no, I'll never find love again. I'm gonna, it's pervasive. I'm gonna have to move back in with my parents, God forbid, you know, and <laughs> no one understands, I'm totally alone in this, you know, and I see my mind doing this thing. And so uh, I try to, I try to really notice when I'm having those types of thoughts and put myself in that better headspace to say, okay, brain, I see what you're up to. You're stressed, you're scared. Let's like do a dance party. Let's shake it out. Let's go for a run. Let's do a workout. Let's get ourselves in a better headspace. Let's drink some water. Let's get to bed a little earlier tonight. Do the things that you have to do to keep yourself strong, to remind yourself of your resilience, of your resourcefulness. You know, I know that there's a lot of people listening who have had a bad year, who had, it's been bad, you know, and and I just, I don't want people to get into that headspace of thinking it's permanent because it's not. And it feels pervasive, but it's not going to be that way forever. And it's certainly not personal. We're all in this together. We're all going through it. And it is going to end, hopefully sooner than later. People in entrepreneurial circles will sometimes talk about mindset. And it's one of the words that I'm learning in some ways not to like because it's such a cliched phrase in entrepreneurial circles, but it's also for me, when I look at it, like, how do you go about addressing a problem? Something in your, in your business needs to improve. Like, how do you choose to tackle it? How do you choose to, to deal with it? Do you lay down and, and wallow in depression for a week or do you go, Oh, okay, well, let's see what we can do. Like the way in which you perceive the world and perceive problems and their capacity to make a change and make a difference to improve things. You know, again, I, I think mindset is a perfectly fine word. I just sometimes have an aversion to it being used so ubiquitously, I think. Um, about everything. It's like, I usually am just trying to get the therapist. They have, oh, I got this huge overarching. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Oh, yeah, yeah. We as a species have huge overarching issues, but how do we pick one thing and work on it? And then yeah. another thing and work on it. Because if you break one big task into a bunch of little tasks, oh, okay. Like writing a book seems like, oh man, it's a big deal. No, no, no. It's just one sentence at a time. That's right. That's right. It's one sentence at a time, one chapter at a time. And, and, you know, I, I think also it's, it's easy for me to, when I get that kind of overwhelm feeling, I try to do like a self accountability exercise. And I think we've talked about this before, but it's just those two questions. I always ask myself about once a month, I make a list. Um, the first question is, what am I tolerating? Maybe what am I tolerating for my career, for my clients, for my team? from my business, could be from my personal life, what am I tolerating? And the second question is, what am I avoiding? Or what am I dreading? What am I afraid of? And I make that long list. Uh, I, I try to keep it business focused, but sometimes it spills over. Um, because typically if you're tolerating things in your business, you're probably also tolerating stuff from your family, your friends, your romantic relationships. It's good to, it's good to kind of be aware of it. And then um, rather than trying to tackle it myself, because I know that if I'm avoiding something or, or uh, afraid of something, probably I just need a little more support. 
And that's when I reach out to my business consultant or my therapist or my husband or my accountability partner or my friend. I think it's just so important not to go through things alone and uh, nobody can do this by themselves. And so to have that support system, that support network set up for you so that when you have those things that you are avoiding or dreading or afraid of, you know where to go for it. And in I like tolerating too. Tolerating is a tricky one because it kind of sneaks up on you. And then all of a sudden you're like, that's right, I'm putting up with all this crap. And you know, you get what you tolerate at the end of the day. If you tolerate poor treatment, you get poor treatment. If you tolerate uh, late clients, you get late clients. And so in my business, I'm very adamant that I work with adults. I treat people like adults and I get what I tolerate. And that's great because uh, I don't tolerate any BS. So I think it's really a wonderful way to work. Uh, and I would love to see in our industry also just more boundaries around our time, our money. You know, you deserve to be paid well for your services. This is not a charity. This is not a, this is a for-profit business. You know, like you deserve to be compensated for your services. And it's not just the hour that you're spending with people. It's the months of education, the years of education, the, the energy that you're spending day to day, week to week, month to month, not just running the business, but promoting it, doing your bookkeeping, like all of those things that go into a business. I think people are like, oh, but I'm just touching someone for 60 minutes. It's not 60 minutes. It's a year and a half. It's learning. It's putting yourself out there. It's paying for that website. Like I, I think people often undervalue their services. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see people making in their business is that they don't raise their prices consistently or ever, um, you know, or they hire employees and they're, they're paying them way beyond what they can afford to. And so that business isn't sustainable. There's, there's a lot of business practices. And again, that's why I wrote that book is I felt like I was having the same kinds of conversations over and over and over. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to put this down into one concise book of exactly here's what it is. Here's the mistakes I'm seeing. Here's how I've handled it. Here's how other people like you, Robert, have handled it. And so, yeah, that's, that's all in there. Available on Amazon and Kindle. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be too salesy, but I'm really excited about this book. I feel like, I feel like it really is my manifesto for how to run a business. And it's not just for massage therapists either. I feel like yeah. anyone in wellness can, or even service-based businesses in general could benefit from it. So, yeah, thank you it, so much for having this chat with me today. This has been really fun. Yeah. It, it's been amazing to me to see as I focused on the business and growing it, you understand other businesses and their business models. And then I talk to other business owners and I'm always, again, a huge proponent of social media and video. And they're like, oh, but I have a cheese shop. I can't. I'm like, cheese, are you out of your mind? Like, dude, there's a million, there's a million kinds of Roquefort. You know, there's a million kinds of Gruyere. There's a million videos, techniques. I mean, you know, they're afraid, again, they know one thing, but they're afraid of like extrapolating into other social media platforms. When people's attention increasingly, again, like, I, what would I do if I didn't have the podcast? Wow. Like, I mean, I don't really know. I Like, I'm confused now because it's like, well, you can't learn online. And I'm like, I spend most of my time online now. Not just teaching, but like promoting and educating and sharing information, forming connections digitally. And certainly that was important during COVID because, well, I could stay home and it was safe. Yeah, that makes sense. Gosh, you've just given me such a good idea. So a girlfriend of mine actually owns a cheese shop in D.C. 
and they're very high end, very expensive, uh, really high quality, amazing product. And they actually have a couple locations. One of them is a cheese shop and the other one is an adult cheese shop that also serves alcoholic beverages, namely whiskey, which I think is really smart. And um, she was saying that one of the difficulties with hiring employees in her business is that like a good sum, a cheesemonger has to be super, super educated yep. on how to speak with a customer about every single cheese and uh, and has to be super, super trained on that. And I just had this idea for her, which may or may not be a good idea of what have you had just like a, a, a video set up with an iPad or something that you could swipe and click on it. And it would be her explaining exactly what the cheese is to take some of the, the hold and miss off of her employees. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's a I terrible mean, idea, but there I, was think a, it's, I think it's interesting. Yeah. There was a company and I'll, I'll show this real quick. I haven't done this review yet because I was waiting on the computer stuff. So I think it's uh Toic. And like these guys came up in my feed and it was little chocolate bars. And listen, it was $65 for this. And I was like, wow. I didn't even, I didn't even care like how big they were or whatever. It was like, listen, some of these are put in I lay casks like scotch. And the thing is, I'm going to, I'm going to sample them and do like a review, but the, the, the marketing is amazing. Cause it's like, Oh no, this is a specific cacao in, in Ecuador that we've, we've taken this plant back from the brink of extinction and we're giving it to you and we put it in, in casks and age it. And the thing is, I was just so taken again with what their story. I was so taken yeah. with like these people doing this preservation in Ecuador of this like kind of cacao that I've never heard of before. And it's like, you think, well, people won't, I'm like, yeah, they will. But the thing is, it's different. Like I can go get a Hershey bar, but can I get chocolate with a story? Ooh. Yeah. And the story, I mean, that's, that's branding right there. The, the story, there's a great quote, your, your message is in your mess the the messages in the mess and when i think about what that means for my massage practice my mess was i'm a kid who grew up with scoliosis so i have a deep understanding of chronic pain and i also was a dancer so i loved movement and so massage was a perfect industry for me because we have this combination of working with chronic pain which i understood and movement and you know i think yes i could have kept that to myself but especially in the beginning when i started talking with clients about my experience and putting it on the website I had a ton of scoliosis clients who were really drawn to me and a ton of chronic pain management clients who were drawn to me because I was open about my story. And I think that that's really interesting and that, you know, the messes that you've been through really are the message and, and really are what you're meant to talk about, like what you're, what you should be putting out there, what you can help people best with because you've been through it. I think that's really, I think that, that, first of all, I want that chocolate. And uh, I just think that's really cool. <laughs> like I'm, I'm listen, I'm waiting to set up the new computer so I can do a review at a higher video quality because I'm, I was so taken with it. I'm like, what? I've never, like, I don't even know. I have to go read because I don't even know how they're aging it. I, I don't know what the process is, but I'm so interested because they, they took it and they went, okay, no, no, no. It's not just chocolate. It's artisanal. It's like yeah. a scotch. It, this is Laphroaig. This is Islay. This is in a cask for 18 years. It's aged. It's, you know, it's art. Not, it's not for everybody. Those sorts of things are more what I do in body work. So trying to look at it from the consumer's perspective about, you know, I bought not just chocolate. No, no, no. I bought a story because I felt like by buying this chocolate, I was part of the preservation process of this particular cacao. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. I like it. I like it. 
Cool. So uh, any closing words? I think you had about an hour. Uh, your social media shares, your Instagram, TikTok, and then your wellnessbusinessconsulting.com is right below you. Uh, do you have any awesome. parting words or where people should follow you? Sure. Uh, if you check out my Instagram, it's Rachel Bider, at Rachel Bider. It's R-A-C-H-E-L-B-E-I-D-E-R. Um, you can also catch me on Clubhouse and TikTok under the same name. Uh, and, you know, if you want a free chapter of my book, head over to my website, wellnessbusinessconsulting.com, and you should find a free chapter there. Cool. Well, listen, guys, thank you so much for uh, tuning in. It's been a pleasure, Rachel, and I will talk with you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. So get